like we're both finishing up breakfast at about the same time. I'm like, okay, well, Josh, now it's my turn. I got to go use the little boy's room. And he was going to go kind of just walk over to our glassing ridge, take a look around, see what's there. And I jokingly, like I, there was some hopefulness to it, but as a joke, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go, uh, relieve myself. Uh, and I fully expect to hear gunshots while I do that. So I walk over doing my, my thing in the woods and I hear a gun crack. Welcome to Hunting Stories, brought to you by Late to the Game Outdoors. Everyone loves a good story, and hunters have some of the best. Our whole mission is to collect and share great stories from hunters just like you, to entertain and keep you motivated all year long. So, pull up a seat around the campfire, because here we go. And we're back. More stories are on the horizon. Uh, it's been a madhouse, and I uh, just got back from, honestly, what was already planned to be one of my biggest hunts of the year, uh, which seems weird to have happened in spring, but uh, but here we are. Um, so that's the story I'm going to tell you today, and I've got others lined up uh, to start rolling out weekly once again. But today is the story of Spring Bear in Idaho. So uh, just epic adventure one of those incredible hunts that is also an absolute suffer fest through virtually all of it um just steep deep backcountry lots of bears very cool stuff so let's get into it this was a hunt with my buddy josh he and i hunt together a lot so he's a part of a lot of these stories um and he went last year solo just you know figured out uh he's a big bear guy he's helped me a lot learn how to be a bear hunter um and just kind of started looking into idaho and some of these areas where there are such heavy bear populations that they have like population reduction tags so as out-of-state guys we could each go in with two tags that only cost us forty dollars each uh which honestly is not that much more than our in-state uh, resident bear tags here and we obviously only get one so just awesome opportunity the land of opportunity you might say uh, and the plan was to to backpack in because that's something that we love and you know bears tend to like to hide out in uh, deep hard to reach country so uh, we had this wilderness just picked out that that should be at that time of year should be great uh the weather was supposed to cooperate though that's going to come up as a regular theme over the course of this hunt um and just you know the plan was to hike on in there's a pretty good trail uh then obviously get off trail a good ways try to find ourselves you know kind of this the the hope is to find an area that you can kind of have to yourself uh, we did run into a lot of hunters, but none of them up where we were actively hunting. So, so I'd say we pulled that off. Anyway, 18-hour uh, drive to get there, which is every bit as delightful as it sounds, uh, especially when you drive through Nevada, which like north to south, like you you hit Vegas, uh, which is just a a great place for people to make bad decisions, uh, and then you basically have just brown sagebrush death for what feels like it's very similar to driving through texas like it just seems like you're in that state forever and there's not really much to look at uh anyway finally get up into uh 
into Idaho, uh, had to, we had to break it up. It's an 18 hour drive that, that is just forever. Uh, we had thought about making the whole thing, just getting a few hours sleep at the trailhead and heading in, decided against that, decided to be better to stop in Boise where we still, still had probably about four hours from there, but at least like, okay, big, long drive, get a semi decent night's sleep, then drive the rest of the way early in the morning and hit the trail. And, uh, we had been watching the weather and had seen some reports that, yeah, some, some weather might be moving in. Uh, we knew we were hiking in on a Wednesday, Thursday, sorry, a Thursday morning. Uh, and we knew that there was weather scheduled for possibly Thursday afternoon. So we had this kind of like deadline in our heads that we need to be up at camp with shelter set in case this storm is more than, you know, your standard mountain 20 minutes rain moves in, you sit under a tree and ride it out, it finishes and you go back to hunting, which is what we were hoping for and not what we got. But we uh, we made the hike in, it took, man, I think we were about six miles in, we climbed at least 2,500 feet in elevation. Uh, you could see almost from the beginning of the trail as you start to kind of work your way up this chute, you could see way in the distance, the very peak, this kind of spine uh, knife ridge that we were planning to camp on and glass from. And you could just see it looming. It's like the highest point you can see at that point. Um, and it just, it's intimidating as anything, but also kind of exciting because uh, I'm sick. Anyway, uh, we couldn't have timed it better. Like we made our way up there, uh, got about three hours on the trail, another hour off the trail, uh, climbing further up to this spine that we wanted to be. And as we are arriving and it, you know, that feeling where you dump your packs and life feels terrific. Um, we could see like rain was moving in. It wasn't raining on us yet, but you could see kind of all of it converging where we were. So kind of made a mad dash to get the shelter set up. And it was just like, we didn't have an extra second. We got both shelters set up, got our food in dry bags, hung in the tree. And like, as we were leaving the food tree, it started to rain and we, you know, dove into our tents and just kind of decided to ride it out. Now, we hoped we would be riding out a very quick mountain shower and then we would get to hunt that afternoon. And that was not the case. It rained all the rest of the afternoon into the evening. We didn't even get to cook a hot meal that night. It was still just dumping rain on us by that time. And we just ended up going to bed. Like we, we had our day bag of food in our shelters and, you know, you just kind of eat bars and snacks and whatever to get you going. And eventually it got dark and I think the weather, like it didn't fully break, but it, it was down from pouring rain to just like a drizzle. And so we ran out real quick and hung our, you know, hung that remaining food in the tree because we're in bear country. So probably not an issue. I know plenty of guys that, you know, when they're only in black bear country, they don't worry about it at all. We like to be a little extra safe. Just it's simple enough to hang the food. So other than peeing and hanging the food, that was the only times we were out of our tent. Uh, I think we clocked 15 hours, like from the afternoon, evening, sleep through the night, woke up the next morning. It was not actively raining, but it had dumped about two inches of snow somewhere in the night. The rain shifted to snow, so the ground's all nice and covered, and the entire mountain range is just fogged in. And that sort of became the trend. Like most mornings we would wake up, pretty heavy fog, took a while for it to burn off. And of the days we were there, we were planning to be on that mountain for seven and a half days. 
there was one day in that seven and a half where we didn't lose a good chunk of the hunting sunlight hours to some sort of weather. Sometimes it was the morning. Sometimes, you know, we'd get to hunt the morning and then the afternoon it would blow in. But we just had nonstop cold, wet, nasty weather. Uh, I had four layers up top that I brought on that trip for, you know, my system. And I would say if I wasn't in my tent, I had all four of those layers on 90% of the time. And I am a guy who I tend to run pretty hot. Uh, usually, like when I'm hunting with Josh, he always seems to have an extra layer on compared to me or a much thicker layer compared to me. Uh, and, and I was just cold gloves on most of the time. It was a mess. But when that wasn't happening, when we weren't uh, hiding in our tents or freezing to death, uh, when the sun was shining and we could glass, we kept picking up bears. Like we saw bears every day. Uh, we, we saw a total of nine different bears in the time we were there. So just incredible, like for bear hunting, the pretty reclusive things, pretty tough to find. Uh, that's, that is way more bears than we see on an Arizona bear hunt generally. Um, and just, I mean, trying to pick through some of the highlights, uh, one of the, probably the second or third day, uh, we were finally out there glassing. We had the evening or the afternoon evening, pretty good weather. Um, and we're on this little knife ridge where we could kind of glass both directions. So uh, we brought like little backcountry chairs uh, because we're in it's spring bear hunting in Idaho. Ticks are a thing, uh, which is really weird as an Arizona boy. We don't really even give ticks a second thought, um, but didn't want to be sitting on the ground in tick country all week. But we would just sit on that knife ridge and, you know, glass one direction, grid the whole thing apart, just stand up, rotate the chair 180 degrees and look off the other side. Uh, and so we just kind of did that back and forth. Um, and early in the hunt, I'm I'm glassing this afternoon in, in kind of the opposite direction from where we saw most of the bears. Um, and we had heard a shot or two from the direction I was looking at. Um, and, and after I heard those shots, like I'm I mean, you can't tell exactly where it's coming from. I'm still just glassing the same mountain I was. I pick up this big red boar running. Like he's running down the mountain. Uh, doesn't look hit. He's just, he's booking it. He's clearly on a mission. Uh, and so that would actually be the only bear I saw before Josh, uh, except for this other one that we'll talk about later, um, whom he saw first in the week. But uh, so I glass him. I'm like, oh, bear, sweet. There, there's, there's something so magical about when you first glass up a bear. And there's something, uh, listen, when you're hunting as a duo, uh, there is like, it's a team effort. You are stoked when anyone gets an opportunity. Uh, but there's also like, there's a little bit of like, you know, we, like most hunting groups, you kind of do the, he who glasses it gets it right. You have the first, like, Hey, I saw that bear. I found him first. He's mine to go after. Um, and when you hunt with a guy like Josh, who's been bear hunting very successfully for a very long time that'll that's a tough competitor uh so again we're we're a team we're not really competing but he sees most bears before i see them that's just the way that it works out so when i see this red boar i'm like sweet awesome i found a bear and he looks like a pretty good one and there's something about red bears that just seems kind of cooler than black bears um probably just because it's different but uh but he is booking it kind of down and then he starts to move across these bluffs and these cliffs um and so i was like cool i found a bear He's not looking like he's hurt. So whatever those shots were, if he's running from that, 
uh, they didn't get him. So maybe he'll still be there. Maybe we can, you know, it's getting late in the evening, but I'm thinking, keep an eye on this guy. Maybe I can make a play tomorrow if we can find him. And then I hear a third shot and I'm still watching this bear. He's still booking it, but he's not like, he's not hit. And then there's a fourth shot and this guy starts to roll and tumble and he ends up like he comes to the edge of this big cliff and you just watch him like front flip do like two or three rotations down this cliff and just boom hits and he's done so the first bear i was able to glass up uh immediately got shot right after i glassed him so that'll boost your confidence heading into a hunt um after that guy, man, we had, uh, Josh had a little chocolate that he nicknamed Hershey's, uh, that was down and, and there's this weird like strip of private right in the middle of this wilderness area. I don't know how or when that happened, but it is there. Um, and, and so he's watching this bear who's on the other side of this and there's not like a good way around the private. So that was tormenting him. And it's possible that same like first real day of hunting, maybe it was the second day, we, we pick up this this jet black sow and she's got these two little roly-poly cinnamon cubs uh, that we saw, I mean, at least four of the days that we were hunting. Uh, they just always popped up in a couple different areas. Uh, they were adorable and awesome, but obviously you can't do anything with them except look at them and film them. Anyway, uh, some of the other bears, we, we had the cliff bear. So way out uh, in kind of the big drainage we were glassing, there was this big, high, steep bluffs, cliffs, like that whole area. And most of the bears we were glassing were down low. There wasn't really a snow line anymore. Uh, Idaho had had a pretty dry winter until the week that we got there. Thanks, Idaho. Uh, but but the bears were still kind of down low. That's where things were greener, uh, low in the cut. And so most of them we glassed up, except for the cliff bear, who was way up high, like we first saw him on top of these cliffs um, and it was, I mean, it was far away. It was a, okay, if there's even a way to get to him, it's going to take three to four hours. So the first time we saw him was late in the day again and you're just doing math. Like, okay, based on when it gets dark, I wouldn't be able to get there. I wouldn't be able to get halfway there before it's dark. So nothing you can do. Just sit there and watch the bear and eat dinner and whatever. Uh, and that was kind of the, the truncated days of hunting that we got with, you know, the, the weather either in the morning or in the evening played a huge role in several bears that would have been huntable. Like they were, they were lone boars just cruising around, but we just didn't have the time to get to them because the, the country's so, but you can't shoot them from where we are. It's, you know, 1500 yards or more. Uh, but to get up and around and onto, you know, this little point or this little bluff where you could close the distance and get a shot would take hours, uh, which is what you sign up for, but you're kind of planning on glass the morning, find some bears, you know, make and figure out what play you're going to make. And then you've got the rest of the day to make it. And it just really never worked out that way because we, we were just dealing with weather on one end or the other of the day. Uh, but the cliff bear, we saw him a couple times just cruising around in these bluffs, thought about going to get him, uh, one time Josh was thinking about going to get him, but I was having uh, foot issues, which we'll, we'll talk about now. Why not? Uh, I have uh, sweaty feet problems, which sounds as gross as, as it is, um, but it's just something I'm always trying to fight when I'm in wet weather. So the boots are waterproof. The, it, I don't, water is not getting into them. I just sweat when I'm wearing them and hiking around and hunting, and then they stay wet, especially in just the massively wet humid weather like we were living in a cloud for half the hunt 
So my boots are sitting out in my vestibule all night, but they're not really getting dry. So in the morning, you know, I put on fresh dry socks, put them into these damp, cold boots, and then my feet are cold and wet immediately. Uh, and there was this one morning where we woke up again to, it was probably the heaviest snow. So it was a similar thing. Rain came in, weather came in in the afternoon. We rode out in the tents. Uh, it let up just enough to let us, no, that was the night that we, we actually ate dinner at like 3.30 in the afternoon because I was using the inReach to get regular weather updates. And it was pretty accurate uh, throughout the week, but I could tell, man, by like five, six o'clock, we're supposed to get some pretty nasty weather. So we ate dinner super early just to make sure we could get a hot full meal. Um, anyway, that, that day got cut short, uh, similar to the first night, like just rode out the rest of the afternoon into the evening, slept through the night, uh, woke up to at least three inches of snow on the ground and everything was fogged in, but it wasn't raining anymore. Uh, and at that point I could, like, I was just so done laying in my tent. So <laughs> it was cold and foggy, but it wasn't actively dumping anything. So I just got out, like got up, got out, got ready. Um, you know, ate some breakfast, hung out with my feet sitting in the snow. Uh, but again, my feet are wet and it's extra cold and my boots are kind of surrounded by snow. And so like we really, after, you know, Josh was a little, like he went back to sleep because <laughs> it sounded like we were both, our shelters were under these big trees. And so the snow would come in, but it would melt so fast. Like the, th I think we got three good snows up on that mountain. And like once it stopped snowing, it would melt within a couple hours. Uh, but it would melt off out of the trees for what felt like forever. Uh, and it sounded, if you were in your tent, you would have no idea it had stopped raining because it's just dumping melting snow on your shelter and just sounds like it's pouring rain. Um, so Josh heard that, thought it was still, you know, raining, snowing, whatever. And he just kind of went back to sleep, stayed in there. I ate some breakfast, stretched my legs, just enjoyed being outside. In that process, totally froze my feet. Like just like it get, you know, you know, the progression of like, oh, the kind of pins and needles and tingly. And then like, uh, I can't really feel those anymore. I'm not sure I can move my toes. Uh, it had been so wet for so long. We, we tried to get a fire going that morning to like heat my feet up. Uh, and we just couldn't like we are both experienced backcountry people. We've set we've built a lot of fires. We've built fires with wet products wet products who says it that way we built fires with wet wood before um we had fire starting materials like you know to help jumpstart the process could not for the life of us get a fire going that morning so i just tried to tough it out keep moving like the fog finally lifted we were able to go sit up in glass i actually kicked my boots off like pulled all the insoles out i had i brought a couple of hand warmers with me for like you know, on super cold nights, I love to just throw a big hand warmer in the bottom of my sleeping bag. Just helps keep things that much more comfortable. I had one left. So I was switching that between boot, like just shoving it in one of the boots to dry out for 20 minutes, switch it to the other one. Uh, I put different socks on. I, I used like uh, one of my gaiters, just kind of opened it up because it was like a waterproof like floor mat almost. Uh, and I'm just sitting there trying to like glass, but also rub my feet, get feeling back on my toes. It, it just, and it wasn't happening. So finally, like middle of the afternoon, we think, well, it hasn't rained in a while. Josh says, dude, you should like, if you, you still like, can't really feel your feet. Uh, they, they weren't purple or anything. Like I had looked at them. I, I didn't think I was going to lose any toes, but I just couldn't get the feeling back in them. Uh, other than like little bits of that, like really sharp stinging, 
I'm sure a medical person can tell me what's actually going on, but problems with my feet. Finally went over, tried again, got like the tiniest, most pathetic fire going, but it like it miraculously, it was like a Hanukkah fire. Like every time I thought this, this is a lost cause, this is done. The wind would shift directions and like push through there and kind of revive it. So I, I had enough of a fire for long enough to just like boots kicked off there, you know, opened up next to the fire. I've got my feet in my thick socks, just like almost in the fire. Finally got some feeling back. I told you all of that to say, first of all, uh, I need a better boot drying solution. So I'm on the hunt for that. Second of all, back to the cliff bear. That was the day Josh saw the cliff bear in the like late morning and was thinking about, okay, I've got the time. If the weather holds off, I could get there. But I'm sitting right over there and I was saying like, dude, go, like, I'll be fine. Like, I'll get my feet warmed up and my boots dried out eventually. You know, I'll keep eyes on this bear. Go, go get him. Josh is a good dude, cares about his friends. Uh, and, And there were a couple of reasons, like we knew more weather was probably supposed to come that evening, but he also was like, man, my, my buddy's sitting here, like feet are all messed up. He decided not to chase the cliff bear that day. Then our, our biggest target bear that Josh, well, we had the most interaction with Josh spent a lot of time with this bear, uh, was just this big jet black boar who was kind of cruising around. Like it almost looked like he was kind of stalking the sow and cubs, which is pretty dark because, you know, boars kill cubs to send sows back into heat. Like it's hard to remember that animals don't have morals and it's just nature being savage because it sounds just horrendous, but that's what happens. So we would see the sow and cubs and then like the next morning, uh, they wouldn't be around, but the boar would be like cruising right through the same area they were in. It was really weird, but we see this boar early on. Like he shows up second or third day, I think. Um, And at the first point, the first time we saw him, it was the same thing. Like late in the day, Josh went around. There was like one shooting point you could get to. It took about half an hour. Uh, And so he went over there to like pick him back up and just kind of assess where he was at. He got there. The bear was still 800 yards away. And to get to the next like viable shooting point, knob that would be closer to the bear was going to take him at least two hours and so at that point he was out of sunlight he just came back and we resumed glassing just watched him into the evening ate our dinner looked at him through the glass he was it was cool i mean just like big boar doing big boar stuff like he was mostly feeding but just had that like huge chest kind of like cowboy bow-legged walk uh just all the things that like a big dominant boar does um Later, there was a another time Josh saw that boar. Uh, he kept picking him up first <laughs> and um, started his trek again. Uh, and then the weather moved in. Like we knew we had like a 50, 60% chance of weather. And it was so hard to tell because there were clouds and, you know, moisture moving through all the time. And sometimes it would hit where we were. Sometimes it would just kind of like bypass, like we would catch just the, the edge of it and it wasn't an issue. So he went off after this bear and then the weather like moved in pretty well. So by the time he got back, I was already like throwing stuff in packs and we had hidden all the cameras to keep them dry and just, you know, rained out on that stock. So it got to the point where Josh had gone after this thing two or three different times and, and something had gone wrong. Oh, he went another time. And by the time he got up on that knob, like that first knob based on where the bear was, was actually close enough. Like he was going to be able to make a play, but the wind had been just 
blow went out that day. And as he started to approach that knob, the wind was just sucking straight down the mountain right towards this bear. And so he thought, man, I've been playing cat and mouse with this thing for days now. I don't want to blow this out. So he, he backed his way out of there, took a ton of self-control to do that. I respect it. So we got to the point where Josh had gone after this bear so many times that it was like a, you know, the he who sees it first gets it didn't really apply for this bear. Like I, I understood, like he had glassed him up first all these other times, had all these stocks fall apart. So it became like that essentially became Josh's bear, uh, which, which I promoted. Like that wasn't him like, Hey, that's my bear. But like, I understood, Hey buddy, you've, you've put in a lot of legwork on this bear and it just hasn't worked out. So even if I pick him up first, I'm going to say, Hey Josh, I found your bear. You should go shoot him. I say all that to say there, there was one time where I did glass him up first, uh, in the same spot where we had first seen him, uh, just days later, I said, Hey Josh, I found your bear. Uh, you should go get him." And I think that was another day where the weather was, we knew the weather was coming in. Like it was already on its way. Like, uh, we'll just, just have to watch him until we're forced back into our tents. Uh, so that was pretty much how most of the week went until we get to the final day, which is the most action packed day. So the last day of the hunt, we had planned to, this was a Wednesday and our plan was to, to hunt that whole day if the weather would hold out. Uh, and then we weren't even going to hunt Thursday morning. We were just going to wake up, eat breakfast, pack up camp and pack out. Um, and so on that Wednesday, we finally, uh, I think there was some weather Tuesday afternoon, um, but it, it cleared up by nightfall uh, went to bed, woke up and, and the forecast had said, finally, you're getting just a full day. Like there was 0% chance of precipitation all day long, uh, which we hadn't seen the entire week. Uh, and sure enough, we woke up and it's just beautiful and classical music is playing and birds are chirping and the sun is shining for the first time ever. Uh, it was amazing. Uh, we, we get up like right at the crack of dawn. Um, we may, we kind of staggered the order of things just cause this is how it worked out. So we both come out of our tents, go grab our food. Josh has to go use the little boy's room. I start making my breakfast and coffee. Josh comes back, makes his breakfast and coffee. By the time I'm done, like we're both finishing up breakfast at about the same time. I'm like, okay, well, Josh, now it's my turn. I got to go use the little boy's room. And he was going to go kind of just walk over to our glassing ridge, take a look around, see what's there. And I jokingly, like I, there was some hopefulness to it, but as a joke, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go, uh, relieve myself. Uh, and I fully expect to hear gunshots while I do that. So I walk over doing my, my thing in the woods and I hear a gun crack. Are you a new hunter or even a guy with some miles under his boots who's still just trying to figure it out? I get it. I've been there. I'm an adult onset hunter who spent the last 15 years learning how to hunt. And so I wrote the book, How to Hunt, A Total Beginner's Guide to Hunting Big Game, as the resource I wish existed all those years ago when I first started. Whether you're planning to chase elk with your bow in the west, or you're hunting whitetails back east, this book will take you from knowing absolutely nothing to your first harvest. It's packed with hunting stories and plenty of those times where I royally screwed up so you can learn from my mistakes and feel better that you're not the only one. You'll leave with a sound strategy for hunting big game and have plenty of laughs along the way. Grab a copy today at latetothegameoutdoors.com slash howtohuntbook. And it is it's one of like, I knew I had just made that joke, but I wasn't thinking about it. And it took my brain what felt like 
a surprisingly long time to like piece together because we had heard several gunshots like we a few bears got killed while we were in there but you would hear them far off and there's that like that was a gunshot that was a really close gunshot oh my gosh josh just shot um so i like quick as i i i was in the process of finishing up and you know putting myself back together anyway so i ran i mean i finished everything was everything was clean it was buried it was legit i was clean don't want you to get the wrong impression that i was running around with my pants off or something uh but ran over grabbed josh's camera uh started to run up to our glassing point just in time to to hit record and see josh take a second shot uh and and i can't i don't see the bear i don't like he's just up there like laid out with the rifle over a pack shooting um he takes that second shot and kind of like stands up a little bit or you know kind of rises to his knees and he like claps once and like is looking extremely celebratory i'm like oh my like we have a dead bear like he just did this and then i see him like drop back down and grab his rifle and then he like picks it up and he kind of runs he stands up and runs down the ridge a little bit and, and is looking and like craning his neck and, and trying to see. And then he comes running back past me and I just have his camera. I have no idea what's going on. I'm just filming him running back and forth across this spine, looking down, trying to get eyes on this bear. Come to find out once everything settles down, he tells me what happened. He, he goes over to just look. I don't think he even brought his rifle. Like he, our camp was, 25 yards from our glassing spot it was it was a sweet setup for hunting um and he so he just kind of walked over there with his binos and there is one little finger ridge down from our glassing point that's within rifle range like that's it most of what we were glassing was all okay there's the bear let me strategize how to get over there there was this one little ridge if they if we saw them walking up this first little ridge they were sub 500 yards which is a shot both of us are very comfortable with. Um, like, it's fair game. And sure enough, he just kind of walked over there, looked down with his naked eye. Here's this new bear. We had never seen this bear before in the area. Uh, brand new bear shows up. First nice morning of the entire hunt. And so Josh, just, while I'm, I'm off pooping, uh, Josh just runs and grabs his pack and his rifle and starts getting set up because here's this bear feeding. I think he was 480 yards away from him. And so Josh settles in he dials his turret he like does all the stuff sends a shot misses him high and so the, the bear doesn't really take off just kind of startled not sure what that was keeps kind of meandering around that same ridge uh steps uh, you know takes a few steps is probably closer to 500 even at this point which is what josh had set his rifle for josh sends that second shot and the bear drops to the ground then starts tumbling like somersaulting down these bluffs that were right right off the little grassy knoll he was feeding on uh like you know flips his way down hits the bottom which is what like it's what i saw the first day when i glassed up that bear who immediately got shot like they they hit the ground they roll they fall down they sometimes let out a death moan and that's the end of it well this bear rolled all the way down and that's when Josh like clapped and celebrated. He's like, sweet, dead bear right there. And then the bear stands up and starts to walk uh, down into the bottom of this cut. Uh, and that's when he was, you know, running back and forth, trying to get an angle to see this thing, get another shot on him. Uh, and just couldn't like he walked down into the thick jungle of rainforest down there. Uh, and just there wasn't anything to see. So just bewildered, like what? 
how does a bear like get hit that hard that it falls and then falls down a cliff, but then stands up and walks away. So we, we gave him a lot of time, like at least two hours. So that morning we hadn't planned on shooting a bear first thing, uh, but we had planned to drop down and get water off the other side of this ridge. So we had water, uh, you know, a few hundred vertical feet down little stream that, and we had brought some extra, you know, kind of these, these one liter little platypus bags. Cause the plan was, we didn't want to have to like make that trek for water every single day. So we would go down, load up two days worth of water, hike it back up, leave it at camp. Uh, and that's, it was just more efficient hunting, but we desperately need, like we had enough water to make breakfast that morning and then we were going to have to go get down. So he just shot this bear. We need to give it some time anyway. So we went down, filtered water, came back up to camp. By the time we were like reconfigured and making our way down to try to find this bear, he had had at least two hours. So we're like, okay, if it's a fatal hit, he's had plenty of time to expire. Uh, this'll be great. And so we head down and this is just, this is steep, steep stuff. So Idaho is a different land. The mountains are made differently up there. <laughs> Everything is so much steeper than anything I've ever hiked in Arizona. Uh, like it truly makes it feel like it makes Arizona feel like a playground. Like there's no, I've been in some of the nastiest country Arizona has to offer and it feels like a playground. Like there's just, it's not nearly as steep. It's not nearly as thick and nasty in 95% of the cases. Um, Idaho is just ridiculous. Like it is, if you don't have your trekking poles out, you will probably fall and die. So I say all that to paint the picture of where we're heading. Like we head down this steep, steep chute. Uh, you just kind of try to find elk game trails as much as you can. Uh, and often you can't find trails, but you can just kind of find individual hoof prints they've left. And you sort of like dig your foot into one of those um, along with your trekking poles to, to keep you upright. And so we, we work our way down. It only takes probably about half an hour to get to uh, where the shot happened. And we find blood, not huge pools of it, but but decent blood. Uh, and we, we find where that, like where the shot happened. And then we kind of see the, the shoot he fell down <laughs> on the boulders and we pick up blood again down at the bottom. And as we get into that bottom, we just find the thickest, nastiest. I, I tr we don't have them in Arizona and I truly don't know what plant they are. I hear guys complain about alders a lot. Maybe it's those, uh, maybe it's something totally different, but it's just these like like thick stalk, uh, like, like it's, it's, it's sort of like bush like, but it's almost like individual reeds that then have branches that split off a little bit, but, but they just grow so tightly packed together. It sort of like, seems like Arizona or Idaho's equivalent of manzanita. Like if you've been in a real thick manzanita patch where it just like bounces you around like a rag doll and you're just trying to fight your way through this sort of bendable, but really strong foliage, that's where the blood trail is in. And so we're tracking it and it's decent. It's easy enough to follow despite the awful terrain. Uh, but then it just kind of gets less and less. And then it turns to pin drops. And then those pin drops start to get further and further apart. Uh, and at one point we started to loot, like we thought we had lost the blood. It came up to this log. There was some blood on the log and we couldn't find it on the other side of the log anywhere eventually discovered that this bear actually hopped up on that log and then walked uphill on the log, which was our first indication like, oh man, that doesn't seem like a bear that's dying. You know, not only is it moving uphill, but it's balancing on a log. 
uh, I don't know about that. Uh, kept fine in the blood a little bit. And then there was this other kind of, I mean, there's deadfall mixed in here too, but he kind of jumped up and over where a couple of deadfall uh, trees had kind of intersected. We had this last pin drop of blood right on the other side of that. And we couldn't find it again. Like we, we gritted and went in every possible direction and looked for all the natural game trail looking things. And then even the not game trail looking areas, we could not find another spot of blood after that. It was close to and on the way to this other kind of bluffed out area. We thought maybe he had a den up there he was heading towards. Walked all around that. Couldn't find anything. We, ju we just ran out. Like we, we started making like kind of bigger circles. Like maybe we'll just run into him or, you know, find him piled up under a log somewhere. But he just wasn't there. And so based on the blood, how it was never really that great and then dried up pretty quickly. Uh, it, our best guess is it was a muscle hit. Like not that bear will probably live to fight another day. Um, and either way, we weren't going to find it. We, we spent four hours blood trailing that thing. So absolutely gave it our due diligence, but eventually just had to accept this. This bear is not dead. And if he is, he's not here. Uh, and we have no way of finding where he is. So jo Josh uh, notched his tag. Felt like, hey, I took my shot. Uh, I, If nothing else, I wounded this bear. So, you know, going to consider it good and done. And we sadly decided to climb back out of that hole back to camp, which was way harder than coming down. Um, and ultimately, this is where we got to. Like, we finally made it back to camp at about 4 p.m. And we, so we were just gassed. Like, after, <laughs> it was much harder to climb out of that hole than it was to drop down into it. Uh, especially after, you know, four hours of fighting through the jungle to blood trail. Uh, just an area, like, and, and even in that stuff, it's still so steep and slick and easy to fall. Like just standing, uh, takes work down there to not just start rolling down the mountain. Um, so we finally got back as we're sitting there, like coming to camp, I'm drenched with sweat. It's 4 PM. I'm like, man, we have, I mean, we have four hours of shooting light left and we're just exhausted. And we've been down and like, we've been down in the shoot that's close to us. So nothing's going to show up right there. Anything we see is going to be far off. It's going to be a play we probably don't have time to make. And if we did make it, there's no way we're getting down. And like it's the country is so rugged in a perfect ideal situation. You wouldn't put yourself in a situation where you're packing, uh, packing a bear up these insane bluffy. Like it's easy to get cliffed out and all this stuff. Like it's just not something you want to do at night if you can avoid it. So. Ultimately, like we just decided, man, we've got a few hours left. I've got nothing in the tank. Josh has nothing in the tank. He's already not. I know we have two tags, but he's kind of notched his and is just feeling that like, yeah, my hunt's done. Um, and I, I honestly didn't have any, like any hopes that if I walked over there and saw a bear right now, I don't think I'd be able to get on him. Uh, but what we did realize is we had time if we wanted to pack up camp, hike back to the truck. We could it'd be a late night rolling into Boise, but we could roll in, get some fast food, sleep in a, a bed, get a hot shower, and then drive home, see our families a day early. And so ultimately that's what we decided to do. Um, and it was surprisingly difficult. Like the hike is all downhill, <laughs> you know, dropping six miles, dropping about 2,500 feet. Um, camp, like our packs were lighter because we weren't coming out heavy because there was no bear. Um, and, you know, we had eaten I hiked in with at least 16 pounds of food 
and almost all of that was gone. So pack is way lighter, uh, but still just after the day, what we had done already, you know, dropping for water, coming back up, dropping blood trailing that bear, coming back up, like for a couple of guys who spend a lot of time backpacking, that was one of the more grueling uh, six mile hikes without, you know, the extra weight of meat in the pack that I've ever been through. We got back to the truck with nothing left. <laughs> like just hit the truck, uh, like collapsed, basically dropped our packs. Um, and then like, I was just head to toe soaked in sweat. It was cool enough out, but just so humid, um, that th there was just, everything was dripping wet. And so just right there next to the truck, no one was around, but just like stripped down to skivvies and put put dry clothes that I had in the truck on uh, just to just to be able to not, well, not make Josh's truck nasty, um, but just to get out of there. Um, but at the end of the day, I know that sounded like just a grinder of a hunt and it was. Uh, but if you've been on these insanely difficult hunts where nothing goes right, there is something weird about your recollection of them. And I look back on it as just an incredible hunt that we had a ton of fun. Uh, I got to spend a week in just some of the biggest, most awesome country ever looking at bears every day. Like, yes, each hunting day was cut short, but the time we were out there, we always saw bears, which is cannot be said for most bear hunts that I've been on. Uh, so it was incredible. I would absolutely go back. When it comes to lessons learned, which I always try to throw in at the end of these stories or, or you know, draw out of a guest that that's on, I think the biggest thing, which I didn't really even talk about other than, uh, you know, the fact that the country was super nasty, was this was the first hunt that I can honestly say I adequately prepared for physically. Um, I, I think if you're a person who's into fitness at all, I find everyone kind of leans one way or the other. Some guys love the strength side and don't really love the endurance side and other guys are reversed. I'm one of those, like I love heavy barbells and long breaks uh, and I hate running, biking, endurance, cardio, hit, like whatever you're into. If it is just go, 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 go and keep going and when you're really tired, keep going some more, hate that. Uh, but just knowing about this country having seen like josh filmed last year's hunt so i had seen it uh you know he had been talking to me like dude it is it is no joke it is it is harder than just about anything you've ever been in <clears throat> i took that seriously so a couple months before the hunt i started this i found this program and started it um I, I'll, I'll put a link in the description if anyone's interested. It's by these British guys. Uh, it's all like their whole thing is hybrid athletes. So it's a like it is a healthy mix of strength and, you know, all the stuff that I love. There are still squats and deadlifts and bench presses, uh, but they work all this other like this one specifically is called uh, mountain strong trail strong. Again, I'll put a link. I forget, but it's basically around like it was designed for like trail runner, ultra marathon type people, uh, who still want to be strong. Uh, so like, like that's their whole thing is like, you can have, you can like focus and be, you know, an elite athlete on one of these. Uh, but you know, at that elite level, like you are sacrificing one or the other for the sake of the thing you're focused on. Right. So if you want to be just like the world's strongest man, you intentionally avoid cardio and eat tons of food because, doing cardio and endurance stuff will 
impact your ability to maximize your strength, right? Uh, so their thing is like, hey, most of us aren't elite athletes. We're not Olympians. We're not, you know, so focused. So you could either be, you know, elite at one of these or you could be pretty good at both of them if you program it right. Anyway, that that's super fitness nerdy stuff. Uh, but this program was, first of all, just a butt kicker, but also revolutionized how I feel in the mountains. Uh, like that sounds like I'm just exaggerating. I, I really, really mean it. It is incredible. So the, the amount of running, which I never ran before this, but I actually kind of like it now. Uh, there's like a weekly trail run that would get up to like two, three hours sometimes just covering, you know, you'd on a Saturday morning, I'd run a 10 K through the mountains, um, which was oddly fun and really hard. Uh, but I found that not only like, yes, the endurance stuff was not a problem. Like we're, when we're climbing in there, heading up 2,500 feet and there's this long switchback section that just keeps going. And I've got a uh, full camp and 16 pounds of food and my rifle on my back. Like I could just keep going, uh, where before I would be stopping and huffing and puffing and almost dying. Uh, I used to get a lot of really bad cramping, which I always thought was just hydration. Uh, but I, except in in one, in that last day of just grueling, walking around, and I know I was dehydrated, um, but I had just like pushed and hiked and covered a lot of miles, I started to get little bits of it. But for the most part, cramping was gone. Uh, and I fully believe it's because there's also a training element of that. Like my muscles had not been habituated to just constant repetitious uh, demands. And through this program, uh, they did. They they got better. The cramping went away, and more than endurance and cramping, all that stuff, uh, like th like sure-footedness and balance. Like when I was in Utah last year, I felt my weakness in that. Like I felt like I was going to fall down the mountain the whole time, which definitely affected my <laughs> my confidence back there. Um, but even like trying to stock in on stuff, like I couldn't take slow enough steps. Like I would start to like, you know, take a slow little stalking step and I just couldn't hold it. Like I would have to slam my foot down. Um, cause I just didn't have the stability and the balance. Uh, but this program, uh, I think the combination of these guys love lunges for some reason, like good night. It was, I, I hated them. Uh, and they were bad at first, like just, <laughs> just staying balanced and upright doing lunges with the barbell or even just with body weight. Like I was bad the first couple weeks, but as I got better at those, they really translated to the mountain. Uh, and I think trail running, especially Arizona, we have so many rocks and, you know, just, just <laughs> keeping yourself running and not breaking your leg and, you know, staying balanced out there just helped so much. Like walking up this steep stuff, like I felt fine. I felt solid, uh, even, you know, creeping down, like taking slow movements and, and that sort of thing. Like it, it was wonderful. So all of that, that's a long, a long advertisement, uh, for people who don't know I exist, but, uh, but I will say like, I used to just half-heartedly throw some cardio in before a hunt. Like <laughs> I would just kind of lift all year and be like, Oh, I got a hunt coming up. I should hop on the stationary bike, uh, you know, maybe take a couple weighted hikes and, and call it good just cause that's not the part of fitness I enjoyed. But pushing through, finding like an actual program that really uh, pushed that endurance side of things uh, and the balance side of things, just life changing in the mountains. Can't recommend it highly enough. If you're looking into like a big backpack kind of adventure, 
take the fitness seriously uh, makes a world of difference. Okay, that's that's enough about that. That's enough about the story. Uh, essentially, that's how my buddy shot a bear while I was pooping, and uh, the rest is history. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, as always, I, I know we've had several of these, you know, kind of brief hiatuses in the show. We are back. Uh, weekly content coming out, um, gathering stories from other people. Um, and we're heading into the fall where I've got some awesome plans. I drew an archery antelope tag that I've never hunted antelope. I'm so stoked to start cracking into that. Uh, my son finally has a youth cow tag uh, in an area where I shot my first elk and very familiar with it. So excited for that hunt. Uh, and I think I'm taking two newbie slash non-hunters that I work with. Uh, they live in other parts of the country, but they're coming here to hunt some coos bucks during the rifle season. So just a lot of like cool different experiences uh, that are on my hunting calendar. But again, I'm also, I've got a number of uh, messages I need to return and, and try to set up times to gather other people's stories as well. So more to come. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hunting Stories. And if you want to stay up on what we're doing with the podcast or anything else going on with Late to the Game, go ahead and check us out at latetothegameoutdoors.com or give us a follow on Instagram at latetothegameoutdoors. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.